Tuesday Morning Blitz Part 2 Season Preview AFC Edition with special guest Nolan Hughes. Nolan, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me back. I'm uh, excited to not be berated this time. First two-time guest, we do not promise that we aren't going to berate him. Kale, are you sure we're not going to berate him? I will give him a pass. New year, new leaf, new season. Let's let him him have this one. (laughs) All right, we'll see. I... I give it about over under 21 I, and a half minutes before we make some sort of 13 seconds joke. I, I thought it was going to be right there. I thought you were really blowing your No, I'm not going to make the joke now. We have to wait approximately 21 minutes and then we'll make it. I'll set my timer. All right, cool. Um, even if we're talking about the Texans by then, I think I can come back to it. So we'll figure it out. Um, great to have both of you boys on today. Very excited to talk AFC. I know that we have a lot to say about all four divisions, but the AFC East is, frankly, our stomping ground. Nolan, gigantic Bills enthusiast. Kale and I, lifelong Patriots fans. Kale, also the author of the Jets chapter in the Football Outsiders Almanac and next year's author of the Miami Dolphins. So you just wear all the hats in this division, Kale. This is your expertise. Why don't you... uh, lead us off here and kind of guide the discussion. God, where do we even start? I I can't. So I know where we're not starting and it's the jets because (laughs) every time I get onto a forum where I speak positively about the jets, uh, something bad happens. Uh, Power (laughs) gets knocked out. uh, Makai Becton goes down for multiple months. Zach Wilson uh, avoids a season ending injury. Uh, Nothing good happens when I speak positively about the jets. So if I, speak uh, overly negatively or sub-optimistically. No, I'm protecting my own ass. So, uh, and the asses of all Jets fans. Uh, All your asses are in my corner, and I will protect them with my life. Uh, So let's start with the other three teams. Uh, Nolan. I mean, where are we going to start? You mean the team that's a Super Bowl favorite? I mean, that's not even a homer. Most complete roster in all of football. Uh, Like, what are we really talking about here? Like if like when we're, when we're at media row or people are at media row on uh super bowl Sunday, when we're getting ready, we're not going to be there. Damn. Listen, I'll, I'll work on getting our credentials. <laughs> but you know what, like what's the conversation going to be like, like is Questenberry able to defend, you know, Aaron Donald or Shaq Barrett? Like what, like, the depth on this team is so inc- like incredible top to bottom. Like where are the holes on this Bills? We ran out of stuff to talk about with the Bills just because like you can only pontificate about them so much. Yeah, I'm a little worried about the cornerbacks just with Trey White coming back and we have a rookie starting outside of him. But, uh, I mean, the offense is going to be incredible. So who really cares? You're talking to the biggest Gabriel, Gabriel Davis fan on the planet. Uh, and Isaiah McKenzie, for that matter. I, I'm throwing in, like, text to our the group chat of the three of us saying, like, Isaiah McKenzie projected to be starter over Jamison Crowder. Yeah, he was a starter the second that Cole Beasley got COVID. 
He was the second, second, he, second he laid waste to the Patriots secondary in week 13 or 14, whatever it was last year. That was that was a moment for me. I was, it was scared it was, of the dude. It was one game, but it was one special game. Uh, I, I'm not as worried about the cornerbacks as you are just because like Trey White's Trey White when he's back. You're really leaning a lot on Mike Hyde and Jordan Poyer as well. Like having them as your security blanket and say in as safeties is huge. I'm also really high on Kyer Elam. Uh, where the Bills got him, I think is like a steal in the draft. People were kind of talking up Elam as a one C to the Stingley Sauce duo. So getting him as a CB two, it's you know more emblematic of moves that Buffalo made all offseason, like. You can make these moves when you're that good. You could spend a high draft pick on James Cook or hand a bag to a you know aging Von Miller or draft a second cornerback. No, you can do all that when you're that good. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah, I just that Von Miller signing, I think, has gone under discussed throughout throughout all the offseason signings. Like I don't even care what he does on the field. The fact that we've had this team that's been on paper good enough to win the Super Bowl for two years. But now we bring in the guy who knows how to win, short of Tom Brady, like who knows how to win better than Aaron than uh, than Von Miller, and we now we just bring him into the locker room and just gives that whole team that confidence. Like, he, if if we win the Super Bowl this year, I say we, but you know what I mean. It's going to be because of Josh Allen at quarterback, and probably because of whatever Von Miller brought to the locker room. Yeah, and don't forget, Von Miller was incredible in the postseason last year. Mm-hmm. So even if he's you know missing time during the regular season or not his usual self, I mean, a veteran of that caliber, seven, eight-time All-Pro, whatever he is, can elevate his game in the postseason. And I don't think the Bills are going to have much trouble getting there. Um, mm-hmm. I think the only question is whether or not they get that first round by this year. Uh, and we'll get into that when we get into our predictions. But... Um, let's go back to Josh Allen because uh, we can talk about second string corners all we want, but ultimately this team's going to go as far as he carries them. He's coming off perhaps the greatest postseason performance of any non Super Bowl winning quarterback ever. Two games, I think it was what nine touchdowns, no picks, uh, just sensational play. Is this the year Josh Allen A wins MVP and B cements himself as the best quarterback in the NFL? That those are tough questions because the MVP is so much narrative driven, and you never know if if I'm sure Kale's guy Herbert goes off here. He's got the narrative behind him. We've kind of seen Josh do it a couple times, so it's not like he'll be doing it for the first time. So we kind of would need to get that one seed to to get him there. I think he's kind of going to etch himself into that combo though, where it's him and Mahomes, and if you want to throw in your your guy, but I think it's going to be those two at the top of the list by the end of the year. It's it's going to be close. I mean, the AFC is just so loaded that I think the fireworks that the Bills will have to put on to bring home the one seed are going to be enough for, you know, Josh Allen to take. Because part of it, you know, part of that run for MVP is national exposure, is like, Building narrative, building storyline. You already have the built-in storyline of, you know, them solidifying themselves as, like, the top dogs in the AFC and, like, an already loaded conference. All these teams, like, you know, this this whole Bills reorg coming together. Then you also give them the season opener against L.A., 
You give them one, two, at least three, four more primetime games after that. And the last game against New England uh, hasn't been determined yet. So that could always also just be a sixth primetime game. Who knows? But, like, you're getting this team a lot of exposure. And you're going to be able to build narratives very quickly. And outside of, you know, huge primetime games on ESPN or NBC or Amazon, like, that doesn't even include, you know, the game against the Ravens, the game at Kansas City. Uh, like, there's still really good games that just aren't even being covered on primetime. So, there's going to be, like, I could see the narrative being built up for the Josh Allen MVP case because I think the performance is already going to be there. But, you know, I like Herbie. I like Herbie. I think Mahomes is up there. Because he's always up there, it'll it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. But I mean, yeah, Josh Allen has to be the favorite there, right? I would put him as the favorite. I think the only way, it, not the only way, it doesn't happen. But I think the Bills are just going to have this explosion of a regular season where they go fourteen and three, fifteen and two. And in my mind, if that happens, I think if they get to fifteen wins, he's winning the MVP because that's somewhere Buffalo hasn't been ever in their franchise history, even when they've been to Super Bowls. I don't think they've won 15 games, 16 games schedule versus 17, yada, yada. But I I think this is going to be a potentially record-setting type of regular season team. Not that that matters to Bills fans, because as we know, it's about what happens in the playoffs. Uh, and things have happened in the playoffs the past couple of years. So, you not know, the 21-minute mark yet. We're not there. I'm not going to say anything. Um but I think this team's going to be fantastic. And we'll we'll come back to our postseason predictions later on. But let's touch on the teams that's kind of in the middle of this division uh, because these are two teams that are going to have a lot of influence on where the playoff picture comes out. So Miami versus New England. I think it's sort of the the new versus old, the, the sexy versus dependable, if you can call the Patriots that uh, debate everybody's got their opinion on which of these two teams is going to be better this year. Um, Nolan, where do you fall on that debate? These teams both disgust me for different <laughs> reasons. One, the, the Patriots, just because they've, you know, they have Matt Patricia and uh, Joe Judge running the show on offense for some some reason. Uh, and then the Dolphins, because they have a quarterback who I don't think is particularly good, as Kale has noted my Tua skepticism over the last year or so. Um, but I'm actually, I don't know, I, I tend to fall back on talent. And I think the, the Dolphins' talent between Tyreek Hill and Tyreek and uh, Jalen Waddle is going to be enough to just get them over the over the hump. And I don't know how far that'll take them, but I think it's enough to get them past the Patriots. Here's the thing. <laughs> I'm not sure how good the Dolphins are. Oh, I have no idea either. Like, I... My, my issue more comes on defense and offense. Uh, it's easy because, like, they promoted from within after firing Flores. There's not a lot of material change there. Uh, I think the system is going to be the same. I think, you know, they don't they didn't have, like, too many pieces to really replace. I don't know. I'm more optimistic on Tua and, like, his, his outlook. It, it, it's the uh, – it's like just giving – I forget where we talked about it, but, like, if comeback player of the year was just available for, like, 
bad situation. <laughs> like if Trevor Lawrence could win comeback player of the year just because his impediment was playing with Urban Meyer, uh, I feel like that should kind of be similar for Tua. Like Tua's not a bad deep ball thrower. He just never throws them. Like his efficiency, not like his his like DVOA on deep throws, his DYA on deep throws, very good. This is also just this is a team like like there's just too much material change that gets me concerned about their overall performance because you know on paper yeah this is you know look at you know Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert in the running back Tyree and Sony Michelle obviously. Super Bowl two time Super Bowl champion Sony Michelle Kale you don't need to teach me about Sony Digital Jack <laughs> I'm well aware. Uh, but like I, I'm speaking more in terms of like yak numbers. Like these, like Tyreek, Jalen, Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert are all guys built for yards after the catch. They're joining a team that finished 31st in yards after the catch last year. They're running an offense that like actively promotes yards after the catch. This is a complete 180. This team is doing in terms of like not only the like offensive scheme they're running, you know, the Shanahan offense, but like the complete MO, like the North star of what this team is trying to achieve is completely different than what it was. It's not, you know, over the middle possession catches, like let's move little by little down the field. It's still going to be a little bit of that, but like now it's all about creating space. Now it's all about explosion. Now it's creating these big holes for big play opportunities and big yards after the catch. I just, just don't know how it's going to convert. That all sounds way more interesting to me than watching Mac Jones throw a six-yard out route to Nelson Aguilar and then running it up the middle with Damian Harris. But here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I sneaky love this Patriots wide receiver room, but no, no, camp, no, 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 camp no, no. has spoiled me. We're not doing it. Camp has spoiled me because it's not like, listen, you know the wide receiver that was number one in rushing DVOA and receiving DVOA last year, whole NFL, Kendrick Bourne. He's like fourth string now. He's just yeah, because he's starting fights against the Carolina Panthers, and Bill doesn't <laughs> like that. I don't get it, but he's like the perfect gadget guy. Let's let's get all of our like let's get the media away from Kendrick Bourne. Let's let's really take the spotlight off him, break him out. You know. 1,200-yard, all-purpose season, you know, perfect. I disagree, but I think Kendrick Bourne wins you a game at some point. I I, I don't think anybody on this team is going to put up big statistical numbers on offense aside from Damian Harris, but I think that at some point a couple of these guys in the receiver room have, like, the right stuff, the right one talent to win you a game at some point. Maybe a game against Miami even. I'm just putting that one out there. This is we gross. haven't talked about like just the offensive struggles this team has gone through, but to push back on Nolan's, you know, six yard out to Nelson Aguilar. Oh, he's not getting like, the six yard adding, out. They are adding the deep ball in. Like Nelson Aguilar has like actually had some very positive camp experiences. Apparently, Devontae Parker's also looking really good, but like the main guy is still Jacoby Myers, who like is one of the least efficient wide receivers in football and can't find the end zone to save the life of him. So like. <laughs> Listen, all the weapons are in place. It's just Dude, we is just, the amalgam guys, of Christian Judge going to figure it out? You we just kind of scoffed away, <laughs> away at Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and then are like licking your chops to talk about Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick what are we Bourne. doing? What are we doing? 
I you don't have to tell me about Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, man. I love Tyreek's great. I I don't love him. I don't think he's a great person, but he's a very good football player. And then Jalen Waddle is like one of my guys from last year that I thought was just like brought something special to the wide receiver position and will continue to do that. I kind of if there were a prop bet that was like Jalen Waddle finishes with more receiving yards than Tyreek Hill, I kind of want that prop bet um, because I I really like Jalen Waddle. And yeah, I feel like year, year two is a big kind of explosion year for a lot of receivers. I think we saw that with like Justin Jefferson and maybe we will see that with a Jamar chase. I think we saw it with CD last year. So I'm really excited for the potential he brings. That being said, I just don't like Tua and you touched on it already. I don't, I don't trust Tua. I think this is like, this team's getting attention and I don't like that for him. I feel like there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders to deliver. And I don't know. There's there's 20 quarterbacks that I think I'd rather have right now. And Mac Jones, while he may be limited, is one of them. So I'm, I'm not sure how far he can take this team. And when we get to standings predictions, I think my uh, my thoughts will reflect that. I'm yeah, all in also, agreement there. My, my whole concern is more about the defense for New England than the offense. It's like a lot of yeah. – We've talked about it already. Uh, no, had I'm sorry, nausea in fact. that conversation, but uh, it's a it's a lot of betting on rookies, and I'm not pumped about it. Yeah, I don't. I think I I like the Patriots to kind of get hot in the middle of the season, just based on schedule, and I think they will start out cold and give up a lot of points. Their defense, as you said, is chock full of rookies. Uh, finished the year last year, but they were almost like the number one defense for most of the year and then just crumbled i think they still finished fifth finished third third yeah in dvoa and then like fifth in points and yards but um not gonna be not gonna be the case this year but you know i i think both of these teams spoiler alert i don't have either of these teams in the playoffs but i have the patriots closer than the dolphins i i think the patriots like there's a non-zero chance they bottom out but I also like them to have a, like, I think they have a, it sounds weird. I think they have like a higher ability to reach than the Dolphins do. Just because like first year coach, a lot of new guys, new system change, a lot of stuff. Yeah. I'll push back on the bottom out comment though, because I don't know, like our sophomore slump still a thing. Like, I don't know how far a. They're a thing when you don't have an offensive coordinator. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't, I, I don't like that piece of it what, whatsoever. Um, but I, I want to have some faith in Mac. Like he's had this entire offseason to reacclimate. I think last year was still a little bit weird with some of the COVID stuff during training camp. If we can think all the way back to the time when COVID was a thing. So I don't know. I think just like having a whole offseason, he's gotten in shape. He knows this is his team. I don't know. I like the narrative for kind of a not a big year two for Mac Jones, but like a, a big step forward. Gross. <laughs> Can we talk about the Jets? Do we have yeah, to? <laughs> I love. I'm scared of how much I love the players on the Jets. Wow, dude, let's go. Like, let's, I mean, don't I, speak I'm admitting, too loud. Something bad's gonna happen. Listen, they've got Leesville Road nine one nine legend Braxton Berrios running in the slot. Elijah Moore. Blonde. Looks great. Elijah Moore, my my guy from last year that I think I picked to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, we got Joe Flacco go, holding down the fort until Zach Wilson gets back in here. 
Garrett Wilson, top 10 pick. What's not to like? Sauce Gardner didn't even bring up sauce. Come on. I mean, like, no, this is – we've got him as a – football outsiders has him as a top 10 defense, which is a big leap. Damn. Which is a (laughs) – like, that's a big leap of a projection, but I like it. You know, like it's, it's, oh my God, they're going to be fun. They're going to be so much fun. I, uh, you know, having a chance to like go to training camp, talk to the secondary through USA today, like, like the, the, God, you know, I'm the analytics guy. The vibes are different. Like it's, it's all vibes. Based. How many vibes have you been around though? Like this is I, more I than we have. Whole days. Vibes are great. You get to see the vibes. You can see the vibes in like mid season form. Cause like, they have all of May and June to like, you know, get together, kind of like curate the vibes a bit. Like, listen, when I was there, you know, the room was already red. I just had to like pick up the pamphlet. Like, I'm very pumped about this team. Also, uh, speaking of what Nolan said, uh, the duo of Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson is going to be special. It's going to be very, very special. What they could do alongside Corey Davis is they're a really underrated, uh, really underrated wide receiver trio. Uh, Brees Hall, Michael Carter, too, is like a really good split. Now that Brees Hall's in the fold, he's going to take a majority of carries. I still think it's going to be like 60-40 split, though. Uh, Carter's going to get in and be used much more efficiently in things like the passing game. Uh, You know, he just isn't going to take as many hits. If they can, like, it all comes down to Wilson and in this case now, Cool Joe. But it'll, it'll really, you know, I, it's the, the foundation's there for like a very interesting team. Like, I still have over five and a half. I have their ceiling at like seven wins. Uh, but like, uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, that's all I want. I just want to yeah. see forward progress. Unreal. I, I just like I, I want you to go to Texans training camp and tell me if you sense the same vibes there. That's the only thing I want. Because I I look at this team and I see improvement. I see a lot of like kind of good veteran leadership being brought in to coincide with all the rookies. And it was a great draft. But I feel like we're starting off the season on the wrong foot if you're bringing Joe Flacco in to play quarterback in the NFL in the year of our Lord 2022. And I don't know, like I really wanted Wilson to start week one, maybe take his lumps and start to build off of that. And I don't know if they're going to be able to kind of incorporate him two to four weeks into the season and still, you know, pick up and and hit the ground running. I'm worried about that. Listen, all I'll say is he's just got to – he's got – Flacco's going to be there for two games, probably, maybe three. But it's revenge game against Baltimore at home, the Watson-less Cleveland Browns, and then maybe the Bengals. And we'll get to the Bengals, but, like, it's it's doable. It's doable. Boy. I, I said <laughs> All I the said quarterback no, movement in the offseason, and we're still going to get a week two Jacoby Brissett-Joe Flacco matchup after all of that. Love uh, listen, all I, I said in all in a over under column doing the AFC East, the Jets need to finish <laughs> like one in eight, two and seven before the bye to be on pace to cover over five and a half. Because their back end schedule is cake at New England, 
home against Chicago, at Minnesota, at Buffalo, home against Detroit, home against Jacksonville, at Seattle, at Miami. You got the division games in there. Those are kind of toss-ups, whatever. All on the road doesn't make it any easier. But then you just play all the easy teams in the NFC North, the Jaguars and the Seahawks. Like, you can find three wins in there if you can pick up two in the first nine. Like, like over five and a half is absolutely on the table for this team. I agree with that. I don't know how many other six, seven win teams we'd go this deep on, but I mean, fair play. Like we're Jets guys now, I guess, especially Kale. This is the brand that we're building. So I've done a full 180. I'm a Jets guy. I grew up my whole, my whole life grew up around Jets fans, loathing Jets fans, <laughs> making fun of Jets fans. And now I'm a Jets. <laughs> There's a Greek tragedy in here somewhere. We can write it. Um, you know what? I think that's as good a stepping off point as any to talk um, big picture about this division. First of all, let's get into some props. Let's talk about the players, the storylines we like, and that we think that the financially inclined among us could potentially profit off of. Um, And I think we're going to start in a place that all of you can get on board with because there is a prop for receiving yards for one Gabriel Davis that is under 900 yards. It is 875.5. Now, not a great year for Gabe Davis in the regular season last year. I will admit that. But how can we not believe that things are going to take an uptick after the four-touchdown performance we saw in the postseason? And diving more into things from a statistical standpoint, yes, only 549 on the year last year, he didn't play 80% or more of the team's snaps until week 13 and then he did it in each of the four games and both of the playoff games from there so clearly something was found with Gabe Davis he's going to be your wide receiver too you've cleared out the room around him with Isaiah McKenzie behind him in that three slot he's going to produce I think he's a thousand yard receiver because I think this is a prolific top three in the NFL offense and those offenses always have two thousand yard receivers so barring injury I think Thousand yards for Gabe Davis is a lock for me. I had the other side of the coin where I had his over seven point five receiving touchdowns, but I mean, I I I I would slightly think that he's more likely to get more touchdowns and more yards just because he's who Josh Allen looks towards in the red zone, exemplified Fair. by four. He had half of this in one game in the playoffs last year, but <laughs> I'm I mean, if he gets ten touchdowns, he's probably going to get a thousand yards. So like we're on, we're talking the same thing here. I'm more inclined to go touchdowns than yards. Fair. That being said, like I, I could see both. I like I like both would just be this insane leap from him, which we like rarely see from guys like this. But you know, just the way the offense works, the way the depth charts shaking out with who they have underneath, you know. Unless you're getting, you know, Jake Kumaro involved or like Isaiah Hodgins. Like we 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 don't bring up Dawson Knox enough, who is a legitimate target for Josh Allen. And I also think that with the addition of James Cook and the improvements made by De- Devin Singletary in the offseason, they'll probably be passing to backs more uh than they have in previous years. But, like, that shouldn't discourage optimism on Gabe Davis as a true wide receiver, too. I'd probably just lean more touchdowns than uh, touchdowns than 
uh, yards because yards feels like such a major like consistency point. And I don't know how many hundred yard or even eighty yard games Gabe Davis is really gonna have. I think he'll have like quality numbers, but I think he'd have more like you know I like the explosion opportunity for multiple touchdown games more so than I like betting on the consistency of like 80 to 100 yard performances out of Gabe Davis. I'm not even necessarily betting on consistency though, because think back to that playoff game. Think about the deep ball potential with Gabe Davis or the the ability to burn coverage. Gabe Davis is going to get one-on-ones all year because Stephon Diggs is still a true wide receiver one who's going to be drawing doubles and teams are going to have to draw up zones to try and neutralize all the targets these guys have. Gabe Davis is not going to be guarded like a wide receiver one. He's going to have opportunities to catch, you know, 60, 70 yard touchdowns week in, week out. So he's not, he might have a couple weeks with, you know, two catches for 30 yards. I don't care. I think he's going to have, you know, two or three games with a hundred plus that's going to carry him to this over for me. So mm-hmm. I like, I like you guys saying touchdowns too. I'd probably take them both. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on. Kale, what's your first prop in this division? It's Jets over. Like it's it's so like I I spoiled it by just you know saying it, but it's it's absolutely jets over. Uh, I am so just so optimistic about this Jets team. I don't really have any other other than Jets over and <laughs> Buffalo over eleven and a half. Uh, I will pull up props now. <laughs> yeah, over eleven and a half feels like a lock. Nolan, what do you have in this division? So I have an interesting Josh Allen one. I I have his under of 550 yards, rushing yards, mm. because I think he's going to be much more conservative to save his body during the regular season. And he, I, I just don't – like, so for context, he ran for 760 yards last year and six touchdowns. The year before in 2020, his breakout year, he only ran for 420 yards, but he had eight rushing touchdowns. I think I'm expecting more of that type of season where it's less yards. He's not running for 25 yards on second and six. He's just going to get the first down and slide. But when they get down in the red zone, I can see him being a little more aggressive and going for the pylon. Uh, so I, I could actually, I don't know if you can parlay this, but under 550 rushing yards and over six and a half rushing touchdowns. I kind of like those two together. Interesting. Yeah. That's you would rarely go with like, the over under on the same guy for the same general statistical category, but your logic to me seems sound. Kill, what do you have to add? I like it. Uh, I I just think the they're minor, but like just general improvements to the Bills' offensive line are like there's going to need. I, I think there's you. I, I you kind of see it with the Chiefs getting rid of Tyreek Hill. Like, I think there's a bit of a, a bend away from, like, full chaos uh, backyard football. I think mm-hmm. it's – I think you're looking like, oh, no, you have the skills to do this, but, like, let's – let us that let that be a breaking case of emergency. Or let's do it once – like, let's do it within a structure, you know, five to ten times a game. But, like, let's keep it control. Like, let's not have you just run willy-nilly. That's how you get hurt. That's how you get others hurt. Like, we'll see. If I could add one more – uh, prop bet in the mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is what I found immediately uh, on a whim. Uh, I'm going to take CJ Mosley under 140.5 tackles. 
<laughs> Listen, there's uh, a lot. There's a lot more going on in the, in the Jets front seven. CJ Mosley had to carry a lot of weight last year. He's only crossed the 140 benchmark once in his whole career, and that was last year. Wonderful. This is a new look defense. They got a lot more pieces going on. I think he's going to carry less of the load. I think that less of the load is about 28 and a half tackles. <laughs> Man, unbelievable. I would just like to note. I love that. Before we move on here, I wanted to go under on anything Tua, but on the Action Network site that you sent me, Jackson, Tua is not listed under these passing odds. He's what? been redacted. He's been redacted. <laughs> that doesn't seem right to me. Right now. Yeah, find him. Um, I'll add it. I'll add a passing prop for you. I like Mac Jones over twenty-three and a half touchdowns. I had the under last year. I I think he's. I don't think he's getting 40. I don't even necessarily think he's getting 30, but 23 and a half feels like a pretty attainable number for me when you consider that last year he almost beat that and he had, what, like six six touchdowns in his first six career games. Like that's not – they're not putting him on the leash quite as much as they did to start last year. So I think he eclipses that number fairly comfortably. I like that as well. Uh, Back to Nolan, Tua. Over under 38.5, passing yards. That's a really good over under. Uh, That's so low that you feel tempted to take it. Over under on touchdowns, 24 and a half. See, like my biases say under on both of these, but he also has Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddles. Yeah, those are really good. And now we're going with yak potential. So it's oh, not yeah. like 3,800 yards that Tua created. Yeah. It's 3,800 yards that Mike McDaniel created. And why is why is Vegas so good? Because they're smart. They know that people are still down on this guy. Those are really, really good over-unders. But they're still leaving holes like C.J. Mosley under 140.5. <laughs> well, you want to talk about holes, Kale. I found last night as I was cruising uh, on DraftKings, still up, Malcolm Butler. Do we think he's going to get more or less than two and a half interceptions this year? The guy who's on season-ending IR makes you think a little bit. Might want to might want to lay some coin before they uh, take that one down. They have to honor. How, how juice? I wish I could. Over. How juiced is that over? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I I might sprinkle. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner has the same number, and I actually like the over as one final little AFC snack. Sauce Gardner, I think, gets three picks in his rookie year. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Sauce Gardner didn't allow a touchdown in college. They're gonna like I. I don't think that carries obviously, but I don't think NFL teams are gonna be scared to pick on him. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. And I think that's going to be a problem early for NFL teams that haven't figured out just how good Sauce Gardner is at cornerback. Yeah, I'm taking the over there. We've got to move on from this division. I We definitely crossed the 21-minute mark, so congratulations to Nolan. Um, I'm still saving that joke, though. I'm sure it's coming. AFC North, this, this is a really interesting division. This is a division that was won by the Cincinnati Bengals, The Ravens are probably the most talented team in this division. The Steelers made the playoffs last year, but have a rookie quarterback and one of the best rookie receivers. And 
the Browns signed Deshaun Watson and he's not going to be there for the first 11 games. So it's a mess. I don't know how to make sense of it, but we're going to try. So who's got a strong take that they'd like to share on the AFC North? The Steelers quarterback stink. Ooh. Is that spicy? I, I did not intend that to be spicy. People uh, like Pickett. People are people are watching and saying very nice things about Pickett in the preseason. I will admit that I'm not like grinding Steelers preseason game tape, but I, I think the reaction oh, Pickett's been one of the best quarterbacks in the preseason statistically, and Trubisky's been easily one of the worst. So I don't even think it's a quarterbacks plural situation for me anymore. It's just, do you believe in Kenny Pickett? I do not. I think they're going to have a ton of help from just an insane receiving core. I think that's a huge deal that people are really underlooking. It's good. Uh, the Here's the – I'm going to open with a prop bet to, like, introduce my spice take. Uh, you can get them right now at 20 to 1 odds to win MVP. And if you look at the construction of this roster, while I do think they're really going to do well, you can't look at this roster and tell me that if they do well, he has to be the shoe in MVP candidate. Uh, that's Lamar you can I had this written down as well. I like you it. You get him at 20 to 1 MVP. That's, yeah. A former MVP. Yeah. Like no former MVPs should be 20 to 1 to win another one unless they're, you know, zombie Peyton Manning. Like that's the only case where it should happen. And you look at you look at his receiving core right now. Like, first off, you know, you know things are gonna be better because like just you know. They're getting Ronnie Staley back from injury. They now have Morgan Moses playing right tackle, who wasn't fantastic for the Jets last year, but is better. It's a warm body. Like, it's better than what they had at offensive line last year. Uh, running back health immediately improved. Defense now all of a sudden looks like, oh, now we just have a, what, like a top five secondary. Like, out of just after watching all of us, all the, all the, uh, just all the players get injured. They, there's literally in the 21st century, uh, no team with more adjusted games lost than the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, but that particularly affects their secondary and running back room last year. But revamp defense, the weapons, like Rashad Bateman, really high on. Mark Andrews is kind of ascending into like the back end of that top five tight end room. People are very high on Isaiah Likely as all to play tight end too. Like, the receivers aren't quite there, so you know Lamar Jackson's going to have to – like, if they're going to win, he'll probably have to get a 1,000 with his legs. And he'll probably have to do some additional stuff in the air. Like, there's a narrative to be built there. I think the Ravens are still going to be really good. But there's a narrative to be built there if you're just looking to sprinkle. I'm not saying, like, put your mortgage on it. But if you're just looking to sprinkle, like, if we're building narratives for an MVP candidacy, you're not getting better money for the relatively easy narrative of Lamar Jackson coming back from injury, taking the AFC North back by storm and bringing the Ravens back to the playoffs in a year where everyone else reloaded or, you know, just loaded up their teams. This team retooled, didn't need to do much. Lamar Jackson's also playing in a contract year. Very few players. I think Mariota and Winston 
are the only two players to play on their fifth year option. Lamar Jackson's in rare company. And I think listen, I'm I'm the Jameis guy. <laughs> Lamar Jackson's in a different air than these guys. Not only winning a former MVP, but just like in his like down to down play, what he can bring to a team, the upside he can bring is, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of also before I finish that, uh complete tangent. It's crazy that Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota are both starting for teams again, right? If you awesome. told me in 2019, who was the right? I would, pick? Not have, I would not have believed that they would both regain starting jobs. Yeah, I mean, if it it almost makes sense that like young is kind of not the term I would use to describe them anymore, but they're younger than some of the other free agent options out there. So it's like I I get it, but I also agree that it's weird to have retread starters in the NFL because quarterbacking in the NFL is such a, you know, take three swings. And if one hits your franchise is set. So I'm surprised that we're, you know, doing this retread thing. So, you know, both of those teams less so the saints, but certainly the Falcons could have been the, the team to take a chance on starting a rookie this year and take, you know, pick it early or something like that. But they, opted ultimately not to and I think that speaks to what a down year it was for quarterbacks in the draft overall and how much that messed up the starting QB market but I think it was very very odd to see both of these guys get jobs even if I sort of understand why it happened quarterbacks also easier to play than so just yeah to circle back to the the Lamar hype train here his over of 24.5 passing touchdowns was my favorite number that I saw on the board anywhere. So I I was kind of waiting for you get one of you guys to talk me into a team here. I had kind of an open mind between the top teams here, and uh, Kelly brought me in. Um, I'm joining the Ravens flock. Let's go. Now, I, I think the Ravens are going to be really good. I think they're going to make the playoffs. Are we underselling the defending AFC champion Bengals here? We haven't even talked about him yet. And this is a team that's getting a second year of the Burrow to Chase connection, revamped its offensive line. They know Jesse Bates is coming back now. So you've got your secondary short up. And this was a sneaky good secondary last year. I don't know. I just, I, I think that the Bengals got better uh, and they weren't as good last year as you know their season result would dictate like they weren't that good on paper they just got hot and got the right draw in the playoffs but i still think this is a playoff team maybe they're not you know maybe baltimore at full strength is a little bit better on paper but i I still think the Bengals are right there i'd like to introduce you to two statements that are not mutually exclusive to each other (laughs) the Bengals did get better this offseason True. The Bengals might be worse this year. That's what, like, that's what I think too. It's because it's I don't think they improved. I don't think they improved as much as everyone else did in the AFC. I think like their biggest concern is like right, we need to stop getting Joe Burrow sacked. And they did that. They we you know, Lyle Collins, uh Alex Kappa, and Ted Karras. I'm doing this off the top of my head, uh, which I probably shouldn't. I should probably just pull this <laughs> up. Uh, yeah, like the I like their model of like, oh, let's build through the median. But they're already like they've already got to pay so many players. They can't put too much on the books now. 
I also, I was right. It's the entire right side of the line that they've rebuilt. Center, Ted Karras, right guard, Alex Kappa, right tackle, Lyle Collins. Uh, but, like, they'll have to pay Joe Burrow. They might pay Joe Mixon. Like, now they've got to pay all these different receivers that they've got in the fold. On top of, you know, tagging uh, Jesse Bates, who just signed. I don't think he gets re-signed because they've got to pay all these guys. The Bengals really benefited last year from uh, potent- – like, Lamar Jackson had MVP buzz, buzz in the first six, seven weeks of last year before he got hurt. Like, he was an outside dark horse MVP camp. He gets hurt. Uh, ben Roethlisberger's Ben Roethlisberger. And Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, the little slugger that he is, like, really just, like, played hard through, like, multiple insane injuries. Uh, you're not going to have, like, the rest of your division, division bottom out the way the AFC North did for the Bengals last year to allow them to kind of just walk into a, you know, huge Super Bowl opportunity. Which, to add to that, only came about because seeding worked out in such a way that they got the Titans, who were the softest one seed in the history of one seeds, and then a Kansas City team coming off of an all-time emotional playoff win that just kind of cracked out in the second half, just didn't have the fortitude to keep playing intense football. So not to not to call it a Mickey Mouse Super Bowl run, because I don't think there's such a thing, but we didn't come that far from it last year with Cincinnati. If anyone was going to take fault for that Mickey Mouse Super Bowl run, it's Buffalo. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I hate to just see. Because you're if not you don't wrong. you slip because... on third and one against the Titans, they don't have the lowest DVOA of any one seed ever. This entire playoff mm-hmm. seeding has changed. You also don't get Kansas City in the first round, so 13 seconds never happens. Like, it's Buffalo's fault. Yeah, and if we beat – if Buffalo beats the Chiefs, they probably beat the if Bengals. Some butts for so what, what are we doing here? I'd be the king of Denmark. <laughs> Sorry. It's deep down. I just – Sorry there. No, it's you're, also you're the second absolutely... time you've said that exact quote on this podcast in this podcast's history. So, congrats, I guess. We'll see if we get a third one in at some point this season. I don't know. It's I just don't see the upward, like, yeah, they improved, but, like, everyone else improved around them. If there's a Cincinnati Bengals not make playoffs prop, I might sprinkle that. Like, it, like I, I, you know. I still think they're a playoff team. Like they're, they're they have too much talent on offense, and honestly, defense too. They're just too solid. They're they're not gonna like screw around in the way some other teams will. Well, yeah, I just think also like if we think Joe Burrow's that guy, then he should be able to carry a team to the playoffs, even if circumstances aren't ideal, even if they're playing more tough games. Which I think he's that guy. Like. There's so many good quarterbacks nowadays that it's kind of easy to forget about how much we like certain guys. But for a minute there, Joe Burrow was the hottest thing in town before they lost that Super Bowl game. And I don't necessarily think that was his fault, Um, not to mention how great he was in the postseason and the entire regular season leading up to that. So if you buy into the narrative that this is your franchise quarterback and they did everything they can to keep the pocket cleaner for him this year, then I think you have to start depending on him to deliver and, and get you back to the playoffs. And I just think he is that guy. And that's why I think they are going back to the playoffs. I just worry that, you know, 
Like they jump, not only that, not only do they have like injuries and other teams in their division like really fall off, and they had really good injury luck on top of it, but they're now also jumping from a fourth place schedule to a first place schedule. Their last, let's call it, let's call it, let's just do it after their week 10 bye. At Pittsburgh, at Tennessee, hosting Kansas City, hosting the Watson Browns, at Tampa Bay, at New England, hosting Buffalo, hosting Baltimore. Say what you want about like say what you want about Tennessee and Pittsburgh. Let's drop them. But just those last six games, Kansas City, Watson's Cleveland team, Buccaneers, New England. If New England's the weakest team in this, it's a bad run. Like it is a gauntlet for them to get back into the playoffs. Could they go three and three and make it though? Like, could they set themselves up well enough over the course of the season that three and three in their last six gets them in? I think they could. The first half isn't too hard. Got Jets, Falcons, Panthers, Seanless Browns. Like those are all very, very winnable. And let's not forget they beat Kansas City twice last year. So we shouldn't be writing off any games as losses for them yet either, except maybe the Bills. We'll see. But I think that this team has proven to us that just when we think they're down and out, like when they lost to the Jets last year, they can still find a way to come back and, you know, establish themselves as a fringe contender. So that's I'm not I'm not willing to be out on the Bengals when I'm so in on Joe Burrow. That's my it's my real that's the only logic I keep coming back to despite all the Points that you've made that make me nervous about it. Plus, Jamar Chase too, so good. They're all he's gonna really enter that Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup kind of tier this year. Demonte Adams too. They were the first team in NFL history last year to have a four thousand yard passer, two thousand yard receivers, and a thousand yard rusher all under the age of twenty five, and all those guys are back. So I just first to say there's a lot of good football players. There's a lot of good football teams in the AFC. I just listen. Someone's got to miss the playoffs, and I just I could only like we haven't even gotten to the AFC West yet. They're loaded. Like I just don't see more than one team coming out of the AFC North, and I've already put all my eggs in the Ravens' nest. Hot. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's let's go to what's wrong with you? <laughs> what's We're wrong? So we didn't talk one. about the other two teams. We sort of did. I don't know. I what no one needs to talk about Cleveland. No one needs to talk say about Cleveland though. Like, what is Deshaun going to be in twelve weeks? I I don't know. What is he going to be in? Say he hasn't played football in two years. I don't think he's going to be good, but like. He's still a threat that you have to consider. You know, I think the Cleveland defense is going to be good, but like, they, um, it just occurred to me. But I mean, the, with the Jacoby Brissett parallel, they remind me a lot of the Colts that year Luck retired, where it's Brissett, a bunch of mediocre receivers, good running game, and nothing really to write home about for eleven weeks, and that's kind of what they are. And they have a tougher division than yeah. the Colts team had to navigate. Exactly. Yeah, I just don't I don't have a strong take on the Browns without Deshaun. And I have many strong takes on the Browns with Deshaun that have very little to do with X's and O's. So I don't know. Yeah. No, I'm I'm in pretty excuse me. I'm in pretty strong agreement there. 
I, um, there are a lot of teams that it's like I want to wait and see what they do the first couple weeks before I really form strong opinions on them, which is, you know, not the business that we're in. But I as as a guy who likes to try and be analytical, that's just kind of what my mind wants to do. The Browns are one of the biggest examples of that, but it's going to happen twice this year. It's going to happen the first couple weeks with Jacoby Brissett under center and then the first couple weeks with Deshaun. So I don't know what to think. There it is. Let's do props, though. Come on now. Um, well, I'll stick with the Browns one. Off. Yeah, go Browns for me. On a similar note to your Malcolm Butler one, uh, you can, uh, uh, as of last night, Deshaun Watson's under of 2,850 passing yards is still available on DraftKings. So sign me up. <laughs> wow. Yeah, DraftKings needs to take some of these down because that, yeah, 2,850 might be reasonable in 11 games. You're not getting there in six. That would be. Four four hundred plus yards per game out of you know recently returned from two years of absence to Sean, go for it. Sign me up. I also wonder if those are the kind of bets, like the Butler bet, even the Butler bet, especially honestly. What if the you place it and it's just like, what? Sorry, that shouldn't have existed. We're not <laughs> probably. Seems I like wouldn't it. know. I live in North Carolina where it's not legal apparently, but eh, get a little VPN, get a little. <laughs> Or just drive out of state to another bowling tournament and place your bets there. I could have done that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, how about, here's a fun one. Pat Fryermuth. do you know that man? He is a second end for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like his over-receiving yards at 548, just because he almost eclipsed that last year as a rookie. He missed a game. And he had two games with only one target and one game with only two. And I don't know. I think rookie quarterbacks like to lean on tight ends. And Fryermuth is kind of a red zone magnet. And I like his receiving over. So that is what's going to be my first AFC North prop bet. Is that kind of a bet on Fryermuth being the number three over Pickens? Is that kind of what you're counting on? It could be the three over Johnson as well. Johnson yeah. slash Claypool. Like you're just betting that one of those wide receivers drops off. Yeah. yeah. Or just that Kenny Pickett likes throwing to tight ends. Like it couldn't be, it could be that all three of those guys are effective, but rookie quarterback, you know, doesn't want to take his shots, doesn't feel confident pushing the ball downfield a lot. I just think that there are going to be a lot of dump offs to Pat Fryermuth this year. Plus, I think he has a lot of red zone potential. They don't have. You know, none of these receivers strike me as, you know, guys that are really going to go up and get it. Maybe Claypool falls in that category. I, mean, I guess we saw Pickens do that in the in the preseason. But I don't know. I, I like Fryermuth a lot in the red zone, and I also think that he's going to get a lot of dump-offs. My prop my, – the prop that I already gave is Lamar Jackson MVP. I also like Browns under. I think that's at – I think last we logged it, it's nine and a half or eight and a half. Either way, I like the under. Uh, they've got a gauntlet of a schedule. They're playing one of the toughest in football and are missing Watson. And even when he comes back, I don't assume he'll be that good. Uh, one bet I'm interested in, but I don't know where I fall on it. Najee Harris currently sitting at 1,100 and a half rushing yard. I kind of want to take the under on it just because I think – not only will the Steelers like pass a lot more, but Najee Harris had a combined 400 touches last year. He had, he had, Too many. Over, he had over 300 rushing carries 
with an additional, I think, 94 targets in the passing game. He, you, like, you can't run a rookie. Like, you can't run a first-round pick into the ground like that. If you respect his skill level. He also, also he did finish exactly. Uh, on With 307 carries, he finished exactly with 1,200 yards. So you're betting that if he falls, like, if he takes even a step back, a small step back in terms of his carries, like, all you need is 100 yards of a loss. Like, it's not that big a stretch to say he'd go under 1,100. But I don't know if I'm there yet in terms of convincing it, but it's, like, a really interesting line for me. I need to do a little bit more research into what I think Pittsburgh's going to end up doing, especially with their quarterback. I think Pickett probably starts an early game, too. If Pickett's in there, I think they run a little bit more. But depending on where they go, you know, I could definitely see this. It's an interesting line. I'll leave it at that. Yes. I The only thing I'll push back on is will he have more yards per carry this year? Like a significant tick up knowing that Ben Roethlisberger is not playing quarterback anymore. So you're not just going to stack the box and, and force Big Ben to try and beat you through the air when you know he can't do it anymore. Those Counterpoint, are, they still have an awful offensive line. Yeah, that's fair. I don't I don't know what to do with Harris. I'm actually looking at another running back in this division that I love and that we haven't talked about yet. It's J.K. Dobbins. He's just back. He's just ready to explode. Uh, nine touchdowns his rookie oh, year. And <laughs> nine touchdowns his rookie year. His over-under is eight and a half this year. He only played 15 games his rookie year, so even if he misses a game or two this year, I kind of like it. Uh, and I, even if he doesn't hit the over on touchdowns, I just wanted to remind everyone that J.K. Dobbins is back and had six yards per carry as a rookie and is probably going to be awesome again. It's very funny you bring this up. I had the same prop noted as an under. Interesting. Because and it's a little juice towards the under, too, which I thought was interesting. Um, but – if, if I think Lamar and Kel's in agreement here, Lamar is going to have a big year. That takes away a little bit from Dobbins' workload. Uh, I think Gus Edwards is going to be back here in a little bit. That's going to take away a little bit of his workload. I think there's just a lot of mouths to feed, and I don't know how many goal line carries he's going to get to get that touchdown total up there. I mean, well, like, I, I imagine most – like, the rushing is going to be better in Baltimore, but I imagine most of – the rushing is going to be done through Lamar Jackson's availability. I like JK to return. Like I, I, you know, I like it as a fantasy pick. Uh, the, I'm a little scared on that touchdown prop just cause like, I, I wonder, I need to check like the Baltimore, like Baltimore's red zone stats to see what they actually do in red zone. But I feel like just with the addition of having Lamar Jackson back, and having like a bit more of a revamped offensive line if they wouldn't be more prone to passing in red zone situations just to kind of like, you know, open up the box more for potential runs. But like, I think that's kind of where I'm at. Pass first. Yeah. Counterpoint to the counterpoint, though, Lamar Jackson coming off an injury, do you want to run him inside the 10-yard line again like you have in the past? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, pass first. Like if if they eventually run out, then it's like, oh, now we're running on third and short because we have a, you know, we have a less congested box. You know, we have more guys like spread out trying to cover our receivers. There's, you know, 
it's it's less packed inside. We don't have eight guys lined up here. Like then we can run, you know, some kind of outside run with Lamar Jackson. Then we can run, you know, just pound it up the gut with Dobbins. Like, you know, there's options there. But I, I, I think just the freedom that this offense now has with a healthy Lamar Jackson, like puts a lot of questions on how heavy they're going to run inside or in the red zone. I just think if they get to the one yard line, JK Dobbins feels like the right pick to me because you don't want to get Lamar hurt again. And you're still a rush first team that has been in the top three of rushing yards each of the past few years when you've had Lamar Jackson, like this is their identity so maybe I don't want to take the bet, but I just saw it and I liked I liked the thought of it. I like the thought of J.K. Dobbins just being back and fully being one of the best 10 running backs in the league. Cool. Cool. Man. Um, and the other one I had was Kenny Pickett nine to one to win offensive rookie of the year, just for the narrative. Gross. That's uh, disgusting. But it's the only quarterback starting. I can it's not that bad. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, when else do you get a starting yeah. quarterback at nine to one to win rookie of the year? Yeah. Desmond Ritter. I'm just saying, like the film. He's going to have to – Mariota's going to have to get stabbed in the heart with a needle of some kind for it to happen. Don't Tyrod him, dude. Is that a Tyrod reference? Or is that – okay, cool. I was like, damn, he just really said the Tyrod thing. Let's talk about the AFC South, maybe the grossest division in this conference. Um, It's kind of a choice between aging quarterbacks – or some sort of year two resurgence from Trevor Lawrence. I can't think of what that might look like. Um, it's I, I don't even know where to begin with this division. I really don't. Um, does it's anyone, not, okay. Uh, like, let me. It's not even like a resurgence. It's just that everyone around him is awful. Like it's it's from an infrastructure standpoint to a coaching staff standpoint to no one in the receiving court to no one on the offensive line. Like, everyone was out. It was Trevor Lawrence against the world. Like, Trevor Lawrence deserves exemption from the injury requirement of comeback player of the year just because of, what, like, the adversity that he was up against in 2021. Uh, he, he honestly deserves a second chance at rookie of the year. Like, that's where I'm at with it. That's how bad things were. But, like, listen – it's bad process what they're doing, like breaking the wide receiver market with Christian Kirk. But that being said, like if you look at the actual depth chart that the Jacksonville Jaguars has put together, first off, Etienne James Robinson, great one too. Offensive lines improved, you know, bring in Brandon Scherf, you tag Cam Robinson's time to an extension. Now your wide receiving core is Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones, Say Jones. Like it's not great. It's, it's mostly really not great. <laughs> it's mostly twos and threes, but like the Patriots are built with mostly twos and threes. At least it's something. At least it's like you know not like injured DJ Chark or Lavisca Chenault getting a hundred targets a year. Like it's a different team, and I think it's at least like. There's at least something there to work with. If you look at like the tape that Lawrence actually put out last year, like he's really good. Like he's really good. Really good throws and really good process. 
and like the ability to like you know watch Lawrence make like really quick reads decisively get ruined when the guy drops the ball when like the guy completely forgets where he is and misreads the route and all of a sudden Lawrence is starting to know him like you know where the guy's supposed to be he just ran you know five yards outside of the play like I like Peterson I like the offense I'm going to tell you my prop bets now because we got into the Jaguars hold Um, up hold up hold up (laughs) listeners at home need to know that the reason Kale is so passionate about this and why he's asking for an exemption for Trevor Lawrence's Rookie of the Year campaign is because his pick to win the AFC South last year was the Jacksonville Jaguars. So he's really asking for his own ex- exemption. Just wanted to get that out there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that being said. Roland, why are you attacking my co-host's credibility like that? <laughs> because people he didn't... trust this man so much less. This is not this is not what this program needs. <laughs> Listen, we didn't know what was going to happen with Urban Meyer. We all thought it was going to be seamless. We should have. Everyone, Wait, everyone thought we? Urban Meyer was going to do a real good job. Goodness. <laughs> no, but my my prop bets are my prop bets are more conservative, but still in the same category of gross. I am betting uh Maga Kale. I'm betting the over on both the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans this year. This is disgusting. Let's get to the Texans roster. No, because it's not <laughs> as bad as you think. <laughs> Look at this roster. Look at this roster. You can't tell me with an honest face that it's worse than the NFL. You can't. Are you sure. You can't. Well, Real strong. Only because back. I don't know the who these people Brandon are. Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, one two. Like offensive lines have been one messed. player on the defensive side of the ball for the Houston Texans right now. Jalen Petra. Stingley. I probably could have got Stingley. I don't know who the hell that other. Guy I actually is. wouldn't. He was a second round pick last year. Sick. <laughs> what are we doing? Second year safety out of Baylor. You could sell me on the Texans being the first NFL team to not sack. Oh, no. He was sorry. Team. He was picked this year. Never mind. He's a rookie. This is gross. I hate this. It's oh, four I and have... a half. The line is four and a half in a 17 game season. Well, see, you can I tell me the winning... Texans team will win five games. I have them winning started. two. I don't believe you, Jackson. This team beat the Chargers last year. That says more about the Chargers than this team almost beat the Patriots. Like this isn't that bad of a team. These just sound like a team that hurt you in all your your team's places, and now you're you're coping. But also, like this team had better than expected results last year in a lot of ways, and still fired their coach. Their their preacher slash life coach i remember too i remember too <laughs> wild yeah like like i said with jackson bad process doesn't lead to a like doesn't always lead to bad end result it just means you could have done it way better like i think who's their coach now cornell it's or oh no lovey oh it's lovey they fired romeo right no, <laughs> but they fired Romeo like a decade ago. They fired David Coley last year. <sighs> okay. Uh, Lovey, yeah. He's I, – I still think he's like, you know, he's really old. Like, I don't yeah. know how long – I don't know how long he's coaching. <laughs> I think it's kind of like stop – like, he's basically, you know, the Cam Newton 
in terms of like he's a stop he's a stopgap quarterback in coach form. But they like, had a stop to Josh McCown last year. What Josh are they doing? They're building well, nothing. And you already pilloried like the three of us sat here and made fun of the Houston Texans for you know building out their roster on one year contracts and yeah, the holding periods are getting worse. They're the holding so periods bad. over. Now they can be a real football team. Oh, and this... okay, let's this just... argument is abhorrent. I just can we want... talk about the teams that might actually win this division? We haven't even touched them yet. There's, I just want to Tennessee. Just <laughs> no, I don't want to walk through anything. Use the Texans roster. I don't want to do it. Just their schedule. I can find five Ooh. wins. On the bunny road. Time. All right, let's let's talk about Matt Ryan. Whatever. Well, yeah. I mean, this team, the Colts are the Colts. Like, when's the last time you were really excited about a Colts team? But also, this is a really good roster. They just keep bringing in quarterbacks that may or may not still have something left in the tank. This year is no different. I don't know what to make of them whatsoever. But also, I have them winning the division because I don't like where the Titans are at. So, it's weird, but... I don't know. I think this Colts team plus this division gets you 10 wins somehow. I feel like I know exactly what the Colts are because they're the exact same team they've been for three years with a slightly better version of an older quarterback and a better version of Michael Pittman. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I full agreement. That, that gets you 10-11 wins in a division title in this disgusting, disgusting division. Hmm. You know who I just realized is Matt Ryan's back quarterback? <laughs> Is it Nick Foles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Colts to the Super Bowl. Replacing Carson Wentz with Nick Foles. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is, this team's obviously good. Like, this is, like, a good enough team. I also – so, the way I wrote, I took overs on Jacksonville and Houston, took unders on Indian Tennessee. Uh, I think this – I think this That's defense – I think this whole division is just going to be, like – between five and nine wins. Like, I don't think this is going to be good football. I think compared to the rest of where the AFC is, it's going to be real tough. That being said, I do like I do like the Colts to win the division. Uh, I think this is one of the better. It's weird saying it's it's weird being backwards here because this isn't that good of a receiving core. But I also think it's better than what Matt Ryan's had to work with in maybe two years. And so, he has Jonathan Taylor, and he has a really good offensive line, and their defense should be able to keep them, you know, in games more so than any Atlanta defense he ever had. So the offensive the yeah. offensive line isn't as good as we're used to Colts offensive line. Yeah, agreed. But it's still better than anything he had in Atlanta. And then yeah, the defense is sick. This is just going to be a really boring 9 and 8, 10 and 17. This is get like, I feel like we're going to be watching this team on Sundays and just be like, watch out. Like, you know, it might be a trap game. They're playing the Colts this week. Like, you never know. They're a scrappy bunch. Like, I, we're going to get, we're going to get really sucked into like making the Colts out to be better than they are when they're like a pretty solid not- defense with like an okay offense. Like, no, but let's, let's Let's I'm not falling for it this year. Pact right here, guys. Let's make a promise that we won't get suckered into this team the way that we've gotten suckered into like the Titans in years past. Like I've never fallen well, victim to the Titans. Yeah, no. 
Neither. I think, I think you're alone on that one, actually. <laughs> I constantly think that the Titans will do something. Maybe, like, put up just a smidge of effort. Like, just be semi-competent once. And I won't, I won't let that happen to me again. And I just want – I was looking out for my friends, guys. They are what they are, money. man. They're I'm looking out for you in this division. They're they're a team that beats bad teams and loses to good ones, and that's because they have a quarterback who's good, not great, and probably will start getting worse, especially without AJ Brown. So i I think the Titans fall on the wrong side of five hundred this year. Actually, I think they win eight games, maybe seven. I'm I'm really low on that. Counterposter. I'm really low on Tannehill. He said all the wrong things since they brought in Malik Willis to be his, you know, rookie understudy. And I just, I don't, if we're talking about vibes, I don't like the vibes in Tennessee right now, just whatsoever. What are they doing with Traylon Burks? Is this man on the third third team? He's, I, currently I've just been, start, he's currently starting for them, like in the ESPN depth chart. I just, the training camp reports out of him have been so weird. I thought I thought the whole consensus was he just is AJ Brown. Yeah, that was a weird consensus Theory. to me. And I really like yeah. I, I like most of these rookie receivers and I haven't like grinded Traylon Burke's tape enough to know if I really think he's gonna pop, but I think AJ Brown's special. And I also think that if you're a rookie number one receiver without a dynamic quarterback to throw to you, you aren't necessarily gonna pop. All you need to know about Traylon Burks is that he hunts feral hogs with his bare hands. That's cool. Show me how. Show me how that puts W's on the board. Mm, I'm all in right, on the though. vibes there. It's but... called intangibles, Nolan. <laughs> Nolan's my kind of scout. I really like. Aside, it's it's tough because I love the fact that we can gang up on Kale, but I also don't want you to just ruin his credibility as a podcast host. So. <laughs> So just try to try to keep the rest of his bad takes from last year to yourself as much as you can. It's just this division, man. It just brings out the worst in him. It's not his fault. Yeah, that's fair. Um, speaking, I of just want to make though, something of the AFC South, guys. <laughs> try well, to get some riveting content here. Let's let's do that in a productive <laughs> manner. Let's find some ways to make the people some money on this otherwise chaotic desert sandstorm of a division. Um. I don't know. Kale, what's your best prop bet out of this division? Oh, uh, Here we go. I'm scared. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm dancing with the girl that brought me here. I'm going under Derrick Henry rushing yards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I, for- on- I forgot the- about this take to the Derrick Henry regression <laughs> train. Listen. Okay. God, don't make me pull up the numbers. Uh, <laughs> thank you. That's Nobody, all thank you. First off, I wanted I want to say that I was right. Uh, no rusher that's ever rushed for two thousand yards has come close to doing the same the next year. Uh, the closest they've gotten is fourteen hundred yards. Uh, most of them didn't finish the season. Derrick Henry fell into that camp, got injured. But was on a crazy pace. Finished 937 yards in eight games. Was absolutely on a pace to smash it. That being said, it was just a volume thing. Like, his yards per attempt last year 
were the lowest they've been since 2017. Uh, you know, he's just getting a huge amount of yards per game because of just how – like, he had 200 rushing attempts. He had 219 rushing attempts in eight games. That's an insane workload. That's an insane workload. That topped his entire 2018 workload, where he played in 16 games and started 12. He got more car- he got more carries in 2021 than he did in 2018. I I'd rather be a year early than a year late on running backs. Derek like Derek Henry, I'm a, I'm I'm fine being a year early. I wasn't a year early on because I was right last year. I'm going to double down again saying Derrick Henry finishes under 1,300 yards. He's only eclipsed that number twice anyway. He's only gotten 1,500 yards 2019, 2000, 2020, and then just had a nagging injury this whole time in 2021. If they just feed him the rock constantly, if they just gorge the man with carries, yeah, maybe. But, like, his Isn't yards that per- what they're going to do, though? Isn't that, like, their entire ethos as a football team? You can't. You can't. He had 27.4 carries a game last year, Jackson. That number, if you look so at... So maybe they learn and they only give him 21 per game this year and he gets yeah. 1,500 yards. Yeah, but even with the efficiency drop-off, he's not like we're just... Assu- he's not going to get 1,500 yards just because he's like... Like that's, that 5.4 yards per carry that he had in his 2,000-yard season isn't there anymore. That's doubly created by the threat of having A.J. Brown in the fold and Johnny Smith in the fold and third one, Corey Davis. This was while they still had Corey Davis. Like, all the threats that were there to create the situation for Derrick Henry to average 5.4 yards per carry. No one, I just <laughs> I looked at the corner of my eye and no one sprung at me. <laughs> just arms crossed. Just grilling me. But the entire situation that created Derrick Henry's big explosion, like the light boxes, because you have to worry about these bigger, like these multiple big gain receivers. Like you have to worry about the vertical passing game. I wouldn't be surprised if teams just stack the box, say, yeah, I dare Ryan Tannehill to make this work with an ACL recovering Robert Woods and Traylon Burks, like make it work. And we'll just neutralize Derrick Henry. I, I could absolutely see them doing it. He's not, he's also not someone that's going to age gracefully because most of the running backs that like have longevity in the league like double as pass catching backs. In six seasons, he's at 125 targets. He's not getting those numbers up either. Those numbers are going down since 2019, 2020. Isn't Robert uh, Woods, isn't Robert Woods at like you know, eighty-five percent better than anything Corey Davis ever was for them, though. Like, just I think you're, I think you're describing what rookie contract Corey Davis was. Then, genuinely, I think you are. I, I think you're forgetting that he was like a really, you know, I, I think we're really discrediting how good Corey Davis was as a second option alongside AJ Brown, See, and as a first option, I think Robert Woods is great though, or at least Robert Woods is one of the best run blocking wide receivers in football. And he's paving the way for the big dog. Listen, woof, woof. Listen, <laughs> listen to reason here, guys. That's all I ask. You listen to reason that you don't think the guy who got 2,000 yards can get 1,300 if he stays healthy. Yeah, because everyone just gets 2,000 yards willy nilly. 2,000 yard seasons go on trees, Jackson. 
Yeah, no. They wear you down. But you're saying he can't get 70% of that? He's not going to get 2,000 yards. I agree. But if he, you're just betting on him to get hurt, is what it feels like. I'm not. I'm betting on him that the downward arrow that the last two, like that last year showed from the 2,000 yard season, I'm just betting on that to continue even flat, not even downward, just even flat. But he wasn't on a downward trajectory in terms of the number of yards. Like he was, he, he was, was averaging over a yard less per carry on four more carries per game, which still came out to he was on Those a thousand yard pace. Run. I like I think defense defenses will adjust. Like the passing game is less of a threat because now you don't even really like. There's no one like AJ Brown that's like a full threat that you have to worry about. Teams suffer when these guys leave. I think all this can be true, and he can still beat thirteen hundred yards because you're thirteen fifty. Thirteen fifty. Your math, like I just don't think your math brain is processing how much of a drop off it would have to be for his yards per game in order to not hit the over. It's a good over under for that reason because I think that a lot of people will blindly take the over, not realizing that all these factors are there. But time will I, tell. I think the time will tell. Be huge. Time will tell. Um, okay. Well, let me then give out a fun one. It's Yannick Ngakwe. Wow. Um, Yannick Ngakwe had 10 sacks last year. Did you know? Um, he played for the Raiders last year. The Colts are a better defense than the Raiders and the Colts, not the Raiders already had a good pass rusher. So if Yannick Ngakwe can put up 10 next to Max Crosby, I think he can put up eight plus on the Colts who generally have better defensive schemes than the Raiders. That's just my bet here. Solid. I like that a lot. I will push back on the idea that like the ski, like the scheming is better, but I think the threat of Max Crosby there. Okay. Yeah. That's a a fair counterpoint is what creates some opportunity, but also you've also got to worry about, you know, Quiddy Pay and DeForest Buckner more so DeForest Buckner and Quiddy Pay, but like you've still got a really loaded offensive line, and you still have you know Shaquille Leonard playing off ball. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of sacks to go around here. I just it's a mouth like the opportunities will be created for Yannick and Gakwe. I'm just worried about a mouth to feed thing in terms of like will all these things translate. I, Yannick and Gakwe is only 26, 27 is the the main thing that sold me on this was I was worried that like because he's on his third team, maybe he was getting a little old, but no, he's still in the prime of his career. And I still think he's, you know, a top 10% pass rusher in the league who's going to get his. Oh, like that. My only concern there is that I, in the past, yeah, they were better schemed with Iberflus, but they replaced him with Gus Bradley, who's been bouncing around the league doing the, trying to recreate the Seahawks Legion of Boom era He's been <laughs> failing spectacularly everywhere he goes but I think there's enough talent with with Yannick he's gonna be fine and I hope that someone like Shaquille Leonard has been in the building long enough to have some influence and know that hey this is what's worked for us in the past this is what can still work for us with our personnel now also when did that name change happen I just read this like a week ago oh he like announced it not like- long it was like two. Th- it's like two, three weeks, less than a month. It was during training oh, camp. Yeah. yeah. All I right. I'll throw in the artist formerly known as in there, but no. <laughs> I'll throw in two quick ones that I like: Michael Pittman over six and a half receiving touchdowns. That seems like a close to a lock. 
And Christian Kirk to start, bring this full circle back to the Jags bluff over 825 receiving yards. Wow. Like both of those. Go Jags. Yeah, the only other one I had was uh, Lawrence over 13 and a half interceptions. I think he'll be better this year, but I also think that he still throws a lot of picks. So I don't know. I I don't feel as strongly about that one, but if if you had to make me bet over or under on Lawrence interceptions, I still think he's throwing about one per game. All right, Kale, there is a offensive rookie of the year prop if you are really, really in on this Houston team winning five games. <laughs> Damian Pierce is probably going to be a good factor. Why? I Listen, when did I say – did I not say at the top of the show Damian Pierce offensive rookie of the year? I thought not I'd like – you, I like errantly mentioned it somewhere. I absolutely know Damian Pierce. You mentioned a second round pick from two years ago. Oh, from safety. You said names. So we're talking two different things. We're talking two different things. Uh, at some point, I brought up Damian Pierce. But no, you're absolutely right. Uh, I do like that. I, <clears throat> again, sorry, little froggy. Uh, I do like, uh, I was about to call him Jalen. I was about to call him Damian Petre. Uh, I do like Damian Pierce more for fantasy purposes than I do for this gambling purpose. The same way, like, listen, it's not a not a great pick, but I got a draft tonight. Could be looking at Brandon Cooks. Like, it just just his target share in Houston's offense. I, I think through like twelve weeks last year, he ha- he led the league in wide receiver target share because he was getting a third of all Texans passes. Which weren't going for much, but when you got opportunity, you and got he was supposed to be the big play guy, and last year he was Houston's dump it off and try to make something happen. Like that's just a a microcosm of why they were so dysfunctional, and yet like still kind of became interesting towards the end of the year. I I don't know, man. There's, there's very few things I can say with certainty about the Houston Texans, other than that they're not going to be a good football team. Can I throw one more prop bet in there for you? Uh, just because I like you. Go ahead. Too kind. Trevor Lawrence over thirty touchdowns, plus three ninety. Or wow. just to throw thirty plus regular season touchdowns. Trevor Lawrence plus three ninety. Yeah, that's. I ha- I hadn't quite looked into like the. Uh, most of my props are even odds. I hadn't quite looked into you know. I feel strongly. Let's see if I can up the number, increase the odds. That's that's good. I think he could throw both thirty plus touchdowns and. 14 plus picks. That seems very reasonable. I, th- I thought you were going to give him the Jameis special. Oh, <laughs> 30, 30. Buddy. Nobody's, nobody's pulling out the Jameis special, maybe ever again. Pit quarterbacks just don't throw picks like that anymore. That was a statistical anomaly. That's your guy, I mean, Kale. He is an anomaly. I mean, there's like, it's all, it's also the Bruce Arians offense. Like Brady's interceptions upticked his first year. Like it's, it's a cyclical thing. My mm-hmm. impetus behind that, behind the over 30 touchdowns, though, if you do, if you really feel optimistic about it, his over 35 number is plus 1,000. Just, just bet him to win MVP at that point. <laughs> no, because I don't think that's true. Because I or think- just bet him to win Rookie of the Year because they'll change the rules for him because he gets a do-over. <laughs> he should. He should get a do-over. <laughs> but I just see this. Like they play the entire NFC East, AFC West, and uh, along with Baltimore, the Jets. Uh, like like they play a bunch of solid teams. Oh, uh, wait, what's that extra team in there? 
trying to think. Never mind. I'm doing math in my head, and I don't want to do math in my head right now. Um, I'm trying to do division math. It makes no sense. The long, the long and short of it is what I'm saying. They're going to get into a lot of shootouts. This defense is bad. They're going to have to throw to keep in. Christian Kirk and Marvin Jones, Zay Jones for that matter. Uh, let's go Christian and Zay. Really good deep threats, like very solid deep options. It's Christian Kirk just ran a straight line for three years in Arizona. Like that was his whole MO, like just running vertical routes. And Zay Jones was a bit of a field stretcher for Las Vegas down the stretch last year. If they get into if they get into shootouts, I trust Lawrence to be able to throw the deep ball and just artificially pump those stats. I don't think there'll be 30 meaningful touchdowns, but I think they'll get into enough shootouts where it'll make a difference in the, you know, in the book. Speechless. <laughs> it's not speechless about the prop, speechless on how much time you've managed to spend on the Texans and Jaguars this episode. Feel it, smell it, football. All right. Final division, gentlemen. AFC West, it's the eighth division we're talking about in our eight previews, but it might be the best division in football. Kale's talked about it. There's a chance that all four teams might go over 500 this year. It's going to be an absolute bloodbath. But let's uh, let's start at the top. Kansas City. Are we still are we still in on Kansas City being the top? Do we think Kansas City is still kind of the big dog in the AFC as a whole, or at least you know one one B behind the Bills? Where do we stand on this team going into 2022? They have Patrick Mahomes. I'm I'm in. I like that. That's simple um, and true. Same boat. Honestly, I. There's there's this belief that teams that lose a star wide receiver feel the hurt more than teams that pick up a wide receiver feel the gains of that wide receiver one that they added. That being said, I think there's something – there's a unique approach that Kansas City has in store where there's less I, – I, I might have talked about it on here. There's less like effort Tyreek down somewhere, down there somewhere. Like less backyard football, less shenanigans, less like freestyle ad lib at the quarterback position. Getting Mahomes in structure with what I would call a a fine receiving core. I like it honestly. Mm-hmm. Like I like I like, I'm, I'm I like something that everyone brings. I'm a big Sky Moore guy. I'm a big like Juju comeback season guy. Yep. I'm even I'm even on the MVS train a little bit. Me too. But just a little. Just a little. I I'm almost I'm also But then like, they still have Kelsey and that like solves like all of these guys are going to have more opportunity because Kelsey commands so much attention. If we're I'm I'm going to bring it back to fantasy once quickly. Uh I'm all over Kelsey round 1 just because I think he's going to get like 140 targets this year. I think he's just going to get insane volume, and he deserves it because he's insane. But the point is, I think the offense is going to be fine. My worry is, like, is the defense with the legwork that they have, like, it's a it's it's New England in a sense where it's a lot of reliance on young guys. I've got a little bit more, you know, you know, bringing in Trent McDuffie, bringing in Carl Aftis. Uh, Leo Chanel out of Wisconsin, I really like. Guy's an absolute bruiser. But it's a, it's a, you know, you got 
like Frank Clark and no one else. <laughs> like, like there's not a lot that this defense has to go on. But I kind of like their young guys. Well, first of all, I definitely like them more than the Patriots young guys, especially Karloftis, who I think is just way better than anything the Patriots brought in. And two, like this defense has never really been good since Mahomes has been there. Like this has always been, you know, a, a bend don't break style of defense. So I think that like that's all they need. And also, you know, there's there's veteran presence there. There's there's a a Carlos Dunlap or a Danny Shelton or, you know, who knows what else they can get. Chris Jones is still there. Like I I'm not sold that this is like Justin Reed, for example. Like there's there's professional football players on this defense that I think can continue to bend and not break as long as Patrick Mahomes is still playing quarterback. I listen, my my only thing is they've been okay for this long. What does it look like when the defense is bad? Because the defense might be bad. Or it might they just had stretches where they bad were really stretch, bad. But like I don't th- I don't think it can be I don't think it will be really bad. But I do worry that it's like, hey, uh we might finish like 16 to 20 in DVOA with the rest of the improvement, not only in the divisions, but in the larger AFC. Is that enough to continue this, you know, dynasty? Yeah. What if Mahomes just says F it and is is tired of the Josh Allen hype, is tired of people talking about Burrow and Herbert and just comes back and has like a, you know, a, a burn the ships type of season where he goes out and leaves no doubt that he should win MVP. Cause the last couple of years he's been really good, but he's, he hasn't been quite what we saw in 2018, 2019 out of him. So what if, what if that's still in there and he was just, you know, waiting for Tyreek to be gone and for teams, for people to maybe not consider them the favorite to go out and just absolutely smoke people this year. I think he is one of those crazy competitive dudes. And I think he's going to be motivated by all of those things. Like he, the Josh Elm MVP favorite, he's going to laugh at that. Joe Burrow beat me in a playoff game, not happening again. You you gave the MVP to Aaron Rodgers twice in a row, not happening again. Like I, that, I think that's very much in the cards. Not going to let Aaron. Likely. Not going to let Aaron keep bragging at the State Farm corporate luncheons anymore. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> but in this case, who benefits? Like, because someone has to take a leap. Does Sky Moore go from Western Kentucky with relatively minimal training camp involvement to becoming a wide receiver one? Who was Sky Moore's quarterback last year? Because I'm willing to bet that he wasn't Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think Juju. But also, who was covering him? I wouldn't bet that it's J.C. Jackson or, you know, I can only name Chargers secondary members. Uh, <laughs> Patrick Sertan. Patrick Sertan. Good. Thank it was you. Really Patrick. good. Yeah. Uh, but my like, just just my thing is like, Kelsey's already at a big amount of saturation. Like he's pretty unguardable. He's an insane offensive weapon. But like, how much higher can his ceiling rise? So someone else has to take up a massive workload. Does MVS just become like a twenty yards a catch guy? where he's just only getting hit on deep breaths and he's just pops off. Does Miko Hardman ascend? Uh, does Juju Smith-Schuster return to stats that we haven't really seen since his rookie year? 
for Patrick Mahomes to like make this effort we ball season, someone's got to facilitate that level of growth, not only picking up where Tyreek Hill left off and filling a void of a, a thousand yard yak monster, but Mahomes would have to ascend past that as well. Like it, it, there has to be a lot of big steps for this offense to take for Mahomes to return to that level of dominance. Like, like there's just, you know, we're talking about narratives, but you have to remember, you know, the B plots for lack of a better term, like to facilitate that insane rise. You got to remember like who's picking up the slack. I feel like, like we just watched Rogers win back-to-back MVPs playing with Devontae Adams and the like Alan Lazards and MVS. MVS and maybe. like I like why can't Mahomes do that with guys with more juice with Kelsey Juju? Like I I'm not expecting Juju to step in and get fifteen hundred yards like Tyreek Hill can. But why can't he get a thousand? Sky Moore get eight hundred. MVS get seven hundred. Whoever the third guy is get an, another chunk there. So I'd make your props there, not on Mahomes MVP. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it because my props are there. So, I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying. I think all the money lies in there. I think all the money lies on this team in like really hammering, like oh, like a Juju overperformance, an MVS overperformance, a Sky Moore overperformance. I think all the money lies in there for them to like pick up the slack of Mahomes. Yeah. I think it's funny we talked about all this, and I've been trying to remember who the other receiver was. And it's Nicole Hardman. Hardman. There's Isn't a reason we never mentioned him. Yeah, Mad, the, the greatest rookie, Nicole Hardman, is the greatest Madden player I've ever seen. I never had the luxury of playing 04 Vic. That's fine. But I'm bad at returning kickoffs. Nicole Hardman, uh, I've returned, it, what was his rookie year? 2020? So it was Madden 21. Whatever year it was, I returned like seven kickoffs for touchdowns in like my first season, putting Miko Hardman on my team as a kick returner. The guy's absolutely broken. I just want him to live up to the uh, high elite status that I've created for him, both in my mind and in my funny little computer game. You know, I'm happy for you, man. Um, let's talk about Justin Herbert. <laughs> Sure. I twist my arm, Jackson. <laughs> uh, okay. Do we want to get into MVP props now or? Well, I I think, I mean, I have Justin Herbert MVP as one of my props. So if that's, if that's where you want to go, let's go there. It's I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. 10 to one, 10 to one of the odds you're getting. 10 to one. Yeah. No way. I feel like that I feel like that has to I was like half joking when I said let's talk Justin Herbert MVP props. I'm now all the way back in. Just like that's great because the whole storyline of the AFC has been how good the AFC West has been. And like how, you know, teams reloading, whatever, you know, Devontae Adams, Russell Wilson. Like the Chargers loaded up on defense. So, like, all the growth for the Chargers and all the overperformance on the Chargers, unless they're just number one DVOA and either Derwin, Khalil Mack, Bosa, or J.C. Jackson wins Defensive Player of the Year. I don't know. Uh, one of those four <laughs> splitting votes. Uh, but un- unless that comes to fruition, like, all the all the onus is going to be on Herbert. I 
I do like LA to win the division outright. Which, by the way, we haven't really. Ooh. Unless we've all been consensus, have we really talked like division winners in this? No, we, that's we're saving that for, Save the, for end, the end. So we got to okay. keep it moving. Sorry about that. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, I like them to win the division. It's a similar logic to what I had last pod with like, if the domino effect hits of over Vikings wins, Vikings win division, then Kevin O'Connell shoe in for coach of the year. Staley kind of had his moment in the sun. I don't think he gets this. I don't think he gets the credit for them having this huge turnaround. If the chargers win the division, I think now it's about like the ascendant step that Herbert takes into becoming like a top five quarterback. Football outsiders just said that Herbert's I think fourth among all quarterbacks hired into 2022 in terms of projections. Like, it's Mahomes, Brady, Rodgers all in their own tier. And then number four is Herbert. Like, they like him that much. I'm high on it. I, I'm also I'm also very high on Josh Palmer, if we're throwing that out there. I like all him right. as a wide receiver three. That's where my skepticism kind of lies here with this team is Keenan Allen is, is solid, but he's kind of aging, and he doesn't have that yards after catch that maybe he once did. Mike Williams, we've seen it in spurts, but then he gets hurt. Then they don't really have anything unless you're high on Josh Palmer. They have Eckler, but literally cannot find a number two running back. Their tight ends aren't anything spectacular. They still are starting a, I think Storm Norton at guard or something. He's terrible. Like there's, I don't think the depth is there on offense, and that worries me a little bit. Storm Norton's their tackle. Uh, I do like Roundtree as their second back. I've never been a big Josh Kelly guy. Uh, I've got problems with him. I am high on Palmer just from what I saw last year in, like, small spurts. What I do get worried about this offense, and you're right, Noah, is that it's a bit, like, they really lean into Allen and Mike Williams. And Keenan Allen's 30 now, so you're right to be a little worried about it. That being said, I do like the upgraded tight end, you know, Parham went down last year with that really scary injury in the primetime game. He's coming back, which I'm surprised by, uh, but he is coming back. But now instead of Jared Cook being the starting uh, tight end, is Jared Cook still in the league? That's a separate question for another time. Uh, but now they have Gerald Everett. I'm sure he is. <laughs> I like a lot better as a starting tight end. And we're also really underselling Eckler as uh, – if we're going to give me credit for – if we're going to bring up things that I said last year that were wrong, uh, the one thing I said that was right is Eckler would be the next Alvin Kamara. So, sorry, I'm good at predicting things. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I really like uh, I really like him just in this system, what he's been able to do as a pass catching back. Like, he's just insanely versatile. And he's a he's huge such a different player than Kamara, though, which is funny to me. Like, you you see the stats next to each other, and you're like, wow, they have really similar stats. And you watch them play, and they're so different. Vastly different. Vastly different. I don't know. Like, they just – the things that I – like, I, I absolutely acknowledge your concerns about their depth, especially at receiver, but their reliance on, you know, Eckler already – what is going to be a reliance on Gerald Everett. Like they spread around their reliance on skill position players in the passing game. So like Josh Palmer's third wide receiver, but like fifth target. 
and his fifth target, I like. And maybe he cracks his way into like fourth. Maybe he cracks his way like into top three, and Mike Williams becomes a little more situational. You know, Keenan Allen might have lost speed, but he's still one of the best route runners in football. So I I don't know. I I'm a I'm really high on what this Chargers offense can do, but I do think the concerns only add to my narrative that this would have to be for them to like hit all these benchmarks that I'm setting for them. They'd have to be a Herbert led team. Like Herbert would have to take a big step up, which is why I like the 10 to one Herbert MVP. We still haven't touched on the Chargers just franchise voodoo curse that could still hit them at any time, which is that, in order for Herbert to win the MVP, they probably have to win, let's say, let's call it a minimum 11, but probably more like 12 or 13 games. I'd and, go more like 13, 14. Yeah, and they could lose two games on special teams so easily. That's just like, that's always lurking for the Chargers. They could, and it doesn't even have to be like a missed kick. Like it could easily be a block punt return for a touchdown when they're up by three with less than a minute left. Like there's too many, too many variables on the table. And yet, I still kind of like the Herbert MVP case. It's there. It concerns me a lot, man. <laughs> pretty regularly. I don't think it concerns me as much. Like, I, it doesn't from a vibe, like, the, the funny perspective. But, like, I like Brandon Staley. I think he'll, if they give away a game on special teams, I think he wins one back by being aggressive on fourth down. Um. So, I, I, I'm in agreement, though, with you, Kale, though. Like, if, if the Chargers do what we all are hoping and thinking that they can do, it's going to be because of Justin Herbert. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm fully on board with that take guys. The, like this team got a new head coach and still got voodoo magic out of the playoffs last year. They lost to the Houston Texans and they lost on field goals and overtime to the Raiders. Like mm-hmm. this, this is a curse. It really I, is. I don't know. Did they clean house on the special teams department? Did they also, clean house on their training staff in terms of like this team also just deals with miraculous injuries all the time, <laughs> like an anomalous level of adjusted games lost consistently for this team. It's always bad injury luck. I don't know. It's they've got Khalil Mack now. So I, I I'm got to love my UB guy. Jackson, like that. can we bring the sage to SoFi? Ugh. Buddy, it could be year two of the Sage. I like we'll, it. We'll knock, we'll knock out, you know, we'll knock out the special teams woes and the Stafford elbow in one go. We're we're set. That's great. You know what's funny about the Sage is that um, we didn't actually go to MetLife Stadium. Spoiler alert! And now we both live much closer to MetLife Stadium and probably could go and burn some Sage there. And yet here we are talking about doing it in Los Angeles instead. It's maybe from a logistical standpoint, maybe not our best option. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys want to talk about the Broncos real quick? We got to talk about all the teams in this division, and yet, like, we're running way over on time for everything. But I, I, we can't not just briefly touch on the Broncos because they brought in Russell Wilson. And I feel like that makes so many things, you know, improved organizationally. And this team has a great home field advantage unmatched in the rest of the sport. And I really like their running back room. And I really like their receivers. Like this is a scary team. I don't think their defense is as good as people think it is. Does it have to be for them to make the playoffs? Yeah, it does. It, It absolutely does. Just the teams that they're competing with on top of it. 
Like it's, I, I think you need the defense because you got to win division games because that's six of your 11 games in the season. Like you got to pick up wins here and there to get this division going. I have them, I have them under, so I don't have them making the playoffs. Cause like I said, there are a lot of good NFL teams and someone's yeah. going to lose, but it's first off, I think it's insane that uh, I think all four, the Raiders are the only team with a line that's under 10. But if you bet over on the Raiders, their line's nine and a half, so they'd get to ten wins anyway. Like the the stakes for this division are insane, but it's not that crazy of a schedule because you're playing the NFC, like you're playing the NFC West, which gives you Seattle, like that's the week one game, and you're playing the AFC South, which I, we don't need to get back there. <laughs> And they're playing a fourth-place schedule, which will make things easier. They're getting the Jets, but even that fourth-place schedule gets skewed because Baltimore finished in last last year. Whatever. My point is you need defenses to keep up with not only Vegas, L.A., and Kansas City, but you know San Francisco, Tennessee, Indianapolis. I Like, you need the defense here. Like, you need the defense for a lot of these games if you're going to win. I, I don't know if Russ is enough. Russ was good, very good last year. He's only finished under a Russell Wilson led team is only finished outside the top 10 in offensive passing DVOA twice. And it was 2015, 2016, I think, or 2016, 17. Uh, but regardless, like this is going to be a good offense. I just think the defensive component also needs to be there for this team to like be in contention for winning the division, be in contention for a playoff spot division or wild card. I'm worried about, you know, the defense. Yeah. I mean, it's still Russ though, man. Like I know he's 34, but Russell Wilson's only not made the playoffs once in his career. He's won. He's won at least 10 games every year, except two. And one of them was that hellish year last year, which is why he got out of Seattle in the first place. And I, I don't want to undersell. Like, I don't think that there is a more pronounced home field advantage in all of sports than mile high. Like every year, it doesn't matter who the Broncos are. They get one to two wins just because they play at that stadium. They, they never bottom out because they always have that big home field advantage. You see it every year. Like uh, the, the year Miami, two is rookie year. They were riding high. They had won like five in a row. Denver, Drew Locke at quarterback, terrible team, going nowhere. They beat that Dolphins team because it's at altitude. Like, that's just going to happen to a couple of teams that maybe should beat the Broncos on paper are going to walk into that place and just not be themselves. And that's why I think the Broncos still get to 10 wins somehow, even in this loaded division. I think the Broncos confuse me more than any other team because I, I, can, I can see it all working but I don't see how it all works, if that makes any sense. Like, I, they, they have so much talent. But I like I love this offense. This, I love it so much. I, I don't know if I trust, like, what is this? Is this let Russ cook? Like, he's he's half in charge of designing the offense, like the scheme and everything. Like, he's never done that before. I don't like, – do we trust he can do that? He's he's learned from Brian Schottenheimer his whole life. Like, <laughs> I mean, what else is he doing with himself, though? Like, he's – He's not an interesting guy. He's not out oh, like God. No, <laughs> he's just. I feel like he's just studying football more often than most quarterbacks because he's not. 
that flashy of a superstar. I, I don't know. He's he strikes me as somebody who can do that. And I just think the weapons around him are, I don't want to say the best he's ever had, but they're really good. And I think they're all young. They're all going to be invigorated by the chance to finally be on a winning team. Cortland Sutton's just back. I think Javante Williams is going to really pop without Melvin Gordon taking carries from him. Like I just, I I'm so in on this offense. I think it's going to be great. I I'd sneaky. This is such a, like, I feel like I contradict myself a lot talking about like, Oh yeah. I'm not worried about the chargers having two receivers. I'd be a lot more confident in the Broncos offense if Tim Patrick wasn't on IR. And that's not saying like a receiver depth thing. That's just how much I like Tim Patrick. Okay. Fair. That's a fair I think maybe my, I think my skepticism lies in like we've seen like it might not be this exact Kansas City receiving core, but like we trust Mahomes to figure it out with those guys. It's chemistry with him and Kelsey that's unmatched. The Chargers guys have been there for two, three years at this point. Even the Raiders, like that, those guys have been together for a while, and like I, we the Broncos just don't have that chemistry yet. And I think I'm, and granted, this might come back and bite me because when there's ambiguous situations, like and if you buy in on that early, like you can come out big. But I'm just like, I kind of need to see it with Denver first. I think that game one against Seattle with Russ returning to his old team and the fact that I think Seattle is going to be terrible is going to be exactly the opener they need to just like hit the ground running. You know, like that's, that should be an easy win, but it's also a chance for him to build that rapport. It's kind of narrative driven. They're going to want to win one for their quarterback. I, I love that. That's how their season starts. I counterpoint. Russell Wilson spends his entire week prepping his his thank you video to Seattle fans and forgets the game plan and <laughs> falls on his face. I don't okay. see it. I don't think the I don't think the Seahawks can beat anybody with legitimate quarterbacks. I just don't see it. I have faith in Geno Smith, Jackson. Oh gosh. Uh the way the way I really see this team is just all that for a drop of blood. Like they've made they stole Randy Gregory from the Cowboys. They got Russell Wilson. They got Russell Wilson. Like uh, they made a lot of you know material improvements on both sides of the ball for nothing. Like they're still going to finish fourth. It's nuts to me. At least in my head, like Kansas City's not falling off a cliff. If LA is going to win the division, the Raiders were a playoff team last year and got objectively better. Objectively better. They were a playoff team last year with Zay Jones as wide receiver two. Uh, and their top two targets were a tight end and a slot receiver, and now they have Devontae Adams. So, yeah, like that could be the start to our Raiders intro. Yeah, but but they also – I mean, we talked about it with the Bengals when the entire rest of the division gets better around you and you made the playoffs last year, you know, is are the improvements you made enough? The Bengals were also benefited by three teams having like – big abnormal drop-offs the chargers like it or hate it were the chargers like they you know didn't have enough to didn't have the horses to run the race the chiefs won the division they were able to sneak in in a wild card and they were barely good enough to beat the chargers for said wild card so yeah i think they've improved more than the broncos have improved and what did they finish last year anyway like the raiders yeah, Vegas is a ten-win team, right? Didn't they go? Didn't they get a tie? Isn't that why they made the playoffs? Or am I bugging? You're bugging. They were ten and seven. Okay, they were uh, about to tie. 
they were about to tie and still make the playoffs. They were, no, they were gonna tie. That was the whole thing. Is is the someone on the Chargers Raiders, Raiders handshake Chargers tie after it's handshake tie. Yeah. So they both go to the playoffs. Uh, Staley screws up, calls a timeout, gives the Raiders time to kick a field goal game. Mm-hmm. But if I was going to go three playoff teams in this thing, I st- I really I, – I don't know what it is because this secondary is not good. Like, the secondary is weak. I think it w- I'd be a lot more confident. I like getting Rocky in, but I also wish that they had Stephon Gilmore landed instead of, you know, Nate Hobbs. But I don't know. I, I think the offense is good enough here. Like, and also Matt Crosby, Chandler Jones inside is insane. Like, that's crazy. That's a nuts edge duo. I'm, I'm in love with that duo. Can you name a Raiders linebacker? Because I can't. Denzel Perriman. Didn't know. <laughs> Didn't Have remember. We... Denzel Perriman's a name that you hear every Sunday, and you're like, oh, who does he play for this year? And then you remember. Have we discussed how Josh McDaniels is running this team now? True. They're not yeah, I'm out on that, actually. I'm, I'm out on Josh McDaniels' second-time head coach. I think he's an offensive coordinator, and I think he's kind of gotten stale as an offensive coordinator as the years have gone by. I will – I first of all, fully agree with you. Uh, really, like, tepid, almost cowardly play calling. Uh, really do not like him as a play caller. Uh, but – if we're using our tried and true metric of vibes, uh, apparently vibes around specifically Josh McDaniels as head coach have been high. So, Derek, Derek Carr would never give bad bad vibes though. He's just not that kind of guy. He gave Tom course- Brady bad vibes somehow. Tom Brady hates Derek Carr. <laughs> we learned that in the past couple weeks. Every every quarterback that has been remotely linked. Or every team that's been remotely linked, which first off, it was there were two teams interested in Tom Brady when he was an actual free agent, and now a third of the league's connected to him. So <laughs> now, like twenty different quarterbacks are that mf'er from the Brady quote from the LeBron Barbershop show that I don't know the name of. How many quarterbacks are that mf'er? Like he just gave the perfect quote that we just now ascribe to every Brady free agency rumor. Yeah, but Derek Carr is officially that mf It's Trubisky's that mf Jimmy Garoppolo's that mf Derek Carr's that mf Like, there's like eight of them. No, it's Derek Carr. He's the one. All right, I'll give you that. Who wears eyeshadow? All right, let's let's transition to props because we'll come back to the winner of this division uh, and all the winners of all the divisions soon, but – Quickly, let's bang out our props in this division. We talked a lot about Herbert. There's a lot of juice there. How about this one? I like I'm gonna I'm gonna be the guy that stands behind the Denver offense, I guess. Javante Williams, 1250.5 total yards, not rushing yards, total yards between rushing and receiving. I like that because I if I if you think this offense is gonna be good, then he in year two seems to me to be the logical candidate to like take a big step forward and really be a big part of the offense. So as much as I like those receivers, I think I like him just as much. And that number seems a little bit low to me for a true number one back. I don't hate it. I actually like it a lot. Uh, I don't know if Williams is either rookie numbers or college numbers hold up 
for the uh just just reception side of that. Like I don't know how much legwork he is gonna actually have to carry to get like the receiving side of that all purpose yards down. I, I worry he had fifty he had fifty three targets last year. It was three hundred yards, but it was fifty three targets. That's like a decent groundwork. I also my big concern of that is like I I think it's really sneaky going to be a bigger bell ca- uh, a bigger two back system than we think. Like I I think you're forgetting about Melvin Gordon. It's 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 oatmeal. It's it's boring. It's a staple, <laughs> but it's nutrition. Like it's the pick you got to make. Like he's a good running back. Like he's so textbook, and we just don't talk about Melvin Gordon. Because I feel like at this point we're kind of bored of like, oh, it's Melvin Gordon. He's why I'm not touching the Javante Williams touchdown props because I think he's still your goal line back. But I think I think in the second half, if they're losing, Melvin Gordon's not seeing the field. I think it's Javante Williams on every down. Every down might be a stretch. I like his utility. All right. We'll see. We'll see. I like <laughs> I also like Cortland Sutton 900 yards. I think Cortland Sutton's gonna have a big year, but that's um, that's less of one. Um, I'm in, in there with you. Let's also talk. I mean, let's go back to the Chiefs receivers. Sky Moore's over under 680.5. That seems really low to me. Over. Durf. Bang it. I, I think Juju, Juju's only 750.5 on draft. Oh. So you could take them both. Oh, wow. I'd, I'd hammer both. either of those. I'd hammer either of those. I'd, par- I'd parlay them if that's a thing you can do. Because that seems like something you could get good odds on a parlay because they sort of go against each other. But I mean, they're if we think they're both going to be good, they both have Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback. So I like their odds. I like Clyde Edwards Alaire over five rushing touchdowns too. He's kind of like we've we all written him off because we all kind of are like been there, done that with him. But he was he had that gallbladder thing last year. The Chiefs are going to get in the red zone all the time. He's he's gonna get touches down there, so I I think five seems more than doable. Yeah, I I eyed that one for a sec. I just don't know what to make of Clyde, but he's got the talent and he should have the opportunity this year. So that seems like a low number. I also don't know what to make of any Chiefs running back. They're running back right. They're running back room right now. Clyde Edwards-Helaire, Jarek McKinnon, Isaiah Pacheco, who I don't know who that is, and Ronald. Oof. You haven't been Rojo. on Twitter then. <laughs> Rojo's coming back, though. Ro- Rojo's getting cut. Don't tell me this that. Week. Oh, he's Don't getting cut. His, oh. his contract's, like, wired. So, like, if he if they keep him, they keep him the whole year. But if they cut him, they don't lose anything. He's getting cut. Uh, Boys, we, um, we have a hard out for Kale in 12 minutes uh, because that's how our schedules still line up. So, we've got to talk about who's uh, making the playoffs and who's going to win the dang thing. I didn't even get my props. Uh, no, they were mostly team props. I'll say them quickly. Uh, and it partly feeds in to uh, who's going to win division. L.A. Chargers win the division plus 240, which is surprising to me. It's that steep. Uh, if you want to get extra spicy, Denver Broncos missed the playoffs plus 120. I love the Broncos, so I'm not going to take that. But I am a little bit surprised that you're getting plus odds on that. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Let's let's go through it. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna just say we'll talk seeds. So we'll say who our one through seven are and 
I don't know, maybe we'll have comments on each other's, but I'll just kick us off. I've got the Bills as the one seed. I've got the Bills winning 15 games this year. That seems, I know it's chalk, but it's chalk for a reason. I have the Chiefs slotting in at two. I have the Baltimore Ravens slotting in at three. I have the Colts winning the obligatory four seed by taking the AFC South. I have the Chargers at five and the Broncos at six, finishing with the same record. And I have the Cincinnati Bengals just sneaking in there as my seventh seed. Those are my AFC teams. Who wants to go next? Kelly, you can go next. I'm holding out hope on my my third wild card team. I'm letting letting you guys dictate my mind. I'm also kind of holding out on my third wild card team. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to call it on the fly as I see it. Same boat. One is Buffalo. Uh, I, th- I think it, that's probably going to be consistent across the board. I at least hope for Nolan uh, as the lone Buffalo true supporter that he has that kind of faith in Josh Allen. Uh, my two is Baltimore. Uh, just with strength of schedule, I think they're, you know, strength of schedule. Lamar Jackson returning. I, I like a lot of the stuff going on there. I'm high on them. I think LA is three, and that's only because I think that division's really going to beat up on each other, but I like LA to win it. Indy four, uh, five, Kansas City. Six, Vegas, seven, <sighs> Miami. Don't like it. Seven's Miami. I'm so, I want to go New England really badly and not because of favoritism, because I believe that like the new offensive system is going to make a big difference. Uh, I think the bets that they're making on young people, at least some of them will hit. Uh my concerns really lie in the secondary. Uh, my concerns really lie in the people calling the offense. I have a lot of red flags, and we'll see how it shakes out. But right now, I'm going to take what feels like a safer pick in Miami. That I, my third wildcard team, team, I'm going to do the same thing, call it on the fly. I, I, I'll i pencil Buffalo in for the one seed, mostly just because I think they'll beat up on the division while these other teams, like, Kansas City and Baltimore, who I have two, three, are going to have to grind out a couple more tough division games. Um, Colts at the, as Jack has said, obligatory four seed. Some the Chargers probably as the top wild card team. I could easily see the Bengals being right there too, though, because I have some weird feeling the Bills are going to get the one seed and have to play like the second best team in the conference <laughs> coming out of a wild card. That's I have a bad feeling that's what's going to happen. That can happen no matter what, though. That's the problem with this year's AFC. Yeah. And then the last wild card. Easily. Yeah, right. Chargers, Bills. I don't want to see that happen. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm between Denver. I, I, I'll i be honest. I took the Jets for this spot last year, so that was a mistake. But <laughs> um, I could see the world where the Dolphins kind of score enough, but I, I'm not fully in on the safeties there. If you know, you know. Um, and then, I don't know. I could flip a coin here. There's a world where the Browns and Steelers kind of sneakily win enough games to, like, stay alive here. But I, I don't think so. Man. <laughs> Man. Kelly, you just took the Dolphins. I thought I was going to have some fun and being the lone Dolphins guy. I, 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 I'm shocked that 
I, I, in retrospect, I'm shocked that I only have one NFC North or AFC North team in. I don't see those. I, the Bengals are like legitimately good. I don't like I, there was some flukiness in the playoff run, but that team is good. I'll take screw it. I'll take the Raiders. Why not? No, I take it. No, 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 no. I don't like. I don't like how Josh McDaniels <laughs> tasted. Give me Denver. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> Oh, buddy. Well, I think these are all very possible picks. This is a much, much tighter division um, or much, much tighter conference, I think, than the NFC, where I was kind of searching for my seventh playoff team. This conference, I could see three or four teams being that team. But how about we talk about some uh, conference championship picks and then who we think is going to go to the Super Bowl as our our last little snack for the listeners today? Um I'm gonna go last this time. I always go first. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you guys talk it out, and then I'll come in with my hammer at the end. I've got a feeling it's gonna be Buffalo, Baltimore, for whatever reason. As high as I am on the on the Chiefs, I feel like we got that a taste of the Bills, Ravens in the playoffs a couple of years ago during during the pandemic. Uh, my my cousins tell me about it all the time they were at that game. The pick six heard around the world. Uh. I can see a rematch of that happening in the conference championship game. And at that point it's offense is winning in. So give me, give me the, the big, big boy throw far. How does Robert may say it? tall guy throw far? Give tall me Josh Allen. Uh, I am the exact same. I can't be fun. <laughs> like, uh, I like, I, I think the best case scenario is Buffalo LA. Uh, yeah, that's 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 why I don't want to see it because it sounds like Bills Chiefs 2.0 from last year, and I'm not sure my heart can handle that again. I don't. It's I don't know. There, there's not the explosion of the, you know, Chiefs offense in the Chargers. So there's no 13 second storm back. It's not even like that wasn't even a joke. That was more just I know it's they traumatic don't have the upside of that team to like put that into fruition. So I, I think it's just like listen, Baltimore's the king of consistency. They've had one losing season under Harbaugh and it was a seven nine season or something like that. I don't know. They were but, five and one and then eight and three I think last year before Lamar got hurt. Look, yeah, Lamar's a fringe MVP. Good. Like they're a good team. I don't know. It's they're they're definitely good. Jackson, what do you got? I can't make it three ways like that, so I'm gonna construct the narrative for you. It's Bills Chiefs round three in the AFC oh, title game. It's I actually all I take roads it back. lead back it. to Patrick Mahomes. All roads lead back to Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs appear to have won the game by scoring a touchdown with 10 seconds left to go up by five. And then Josh Allen completes a Hail Mary to shock everyone and finally win the AFC championship game. That's what's going to happen. Dude, Disney should hire you. They should, right? I, they that make Rudy too. Like... <laughs> From a Bills fan, fan perspective, I want us to beat the Chiefs to, if we're going to go to the Super Bowl. I feel like we need to like slay that dragon in order to get over the hump, like, like it just like, I, it won't, 
even if like this is gonna sound ridiculous, but like if we win the Super Bowl, but we didn't beat Kansas City along the way, I it's a part of me is still gonna be like, that's that's the team I want to beat. I don't I don't even care as much about beating Tampa Bay or whoever in the Super Bowl. I I want to beat those guys. I like it as a redemption story. I just don't know if would it feel as good beating the Chiefs in a rebuild year? Would it feel as pure? Yes. <laughs> like I, if they're like, if you beat Chad Henne, Pat and, Mahomes gets hurt in the divisional round. Yeah, if not that. Like not that. A, no, like if they're in the conference championship game, it doesn't matter. That's not a rebuild year. That's the Chiefs doing what they do. Fair. But what's it going to be like seeing Tom Brady in the Super Bowl? Well, hopefully Matt Singer has another edition, and we can we'll be gone. <laughs> <laughs> all right we've done it we've talked about it all it's, two, it's, 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 a, it's a two plus hour podcast um Kale, i know you have to leave but we gave tosh this opportunity uh so we may have to let nolan just get some of this off his chest because we're already there anyway we've already stretched this way too long uh nolan any nfc stuff that you want to just throw out there at the wall before we uh sign off this afternoon i mean not really. There were a couple. There's one prop that kind of stood out. AJ Dillon scoring a lot of touchdowns on the ground. But I mean, the NFC is kind of boring. If we're being honest here. Like, wow. I, so I handed you the stage because you said you wanted the stage, and you just gave us a prop that Tosh already gave us last week. Yeah, I. Let's let's end this. <laughs> I, have, I just have nothing else to say. I, just, I didn't think much for the NFC. There's just nothing that really excites me. I guess I kind of like the Eagles, but like then they're going to make the playoffs and Hurts is going to not be able to throw the ball. So Let's go. Not, not going to be able to throw the ball. He just hasn't anyone to throw it yet. We'll see. It's been it's been a very pleasurable afternoon dealing with you gentlemen. Um, happy to Good do to this back. again anytime. It's been a long podcast. I might take a nap after this, but I deserve it and so do you guys. Thank you so much. Nolan, we'll have you back again. Kale, we'll have you back next episode as much as I begrudge that. (laughs) Guys, any last words? Don't let him on if it's an AFC South pod. That's my only suggestion. (laughs) My last words were going to be the AFC South's purest form of football. (laughs) Pure, Uh, uncut football. Who needs the AFC West and you got the South, guys? (laughs) All the uniforms, all the quarterbacks. For Kale, I'm Jackson. We'll see you next Tuesday.